0: Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm your host, Yolanda Gonzalez, former administrative fellow and current administrative director at Mass General Hospital, located in Boston, Massachusetts. I invite you to join me as I engage with leaders in various roles across the healthcare field to gain real life insights into their work challenges, the skills that have helped them succeed, and advice on how to get started if this is a path for you. So what are you waiting for? Let's start the journey today. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm so excited for today's guest, Kenneth Rates. Kenneth works in ambulatory care at the University of Michigan Health. His clinics comprise of urology, bariatric surgery, and pre-operative services. Kenneth is also the host of the podcast, so you want to be a healthcare executive. In this episode, we discuss his career pathway. We dive into his podcast, who he's interviewed, the lessons that he's learned from top healthcare executives today. And on top of that, just general advice you can take with you, no matter where you are in your career. So welcome Kenneth to the healthcare leadership mindset. It's so good to have you on.
1: Hi Yolanda. excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So before we dive in, can you give our listeners a little bit of background on yourself and walk us through your journey of healthcare administration?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I currently work for U of M Health, which is the clinical arm under Michigan Medicine. I work in the ambulatory care space. I oversee a couple of um, clinics uh, dealing in urology, bariatric surgery, and uh, preoperative clinics. My entry into healthcare administration was quite honestly by accident. So I was kind of a, a late bloomer to this field. I was, um, you know, my parents own a small business and I originally I was going to work for, for their, their company and decided to go to school, college, to get a little bit of education. Um, so I got an associate degree in business and then completed that and found out that I was not too bad at uh, school. So I continued on with my bachelor's degree, which was in business administration. And then I I took a slight pause in there um, while I focused on the business and through a number of uh, economic downturns, um, I decided that I needed to kind of pursue a different path. So I finished my bachelor's degree. And while I was doing that, I I stumbled upon healthcare management as a minor. So I took those four courses and those four courses really piqued my interest um, into what I was learning. So I asked a couple of my professors You know, if I want to get in this field, what um, what do I need to do? And they basically all said you're going to need to get a master's degree if you want to move move up. And I knew what I was learning was something that I liked, but at the point in time, I still had no idea what the field of healthcare administration was. Uh, So I'm from Michigan, so I I really kind of we were in car country, thought that I'd be working for Ford or GM in their health and wellness department. You know, and and kind of still clueless. But I started pursuing master's degree in the field of healthcare administration and one of the local universities, the University of Detroit Mercy had a uh, master's of health services administration program which I applied to and um, was accepted and that was a two-year program and and through the my two years there I really went full into uh, the field of healthcare administration tried to learn as much as I could tried to uh, land a position in my first paid position not necessarily in administration but um, was as a patient transporter at a local hospital so um and from that point on i just went uh, full into the field of healthcare administration and really tried to consume as much as i could uh, about the field itself
0: that's great are there still lessons <laughs> from being a patient transporter that you reflect on today
1: work hard that's the number one one you know i i, I never um looked at that position as uh, uh, you know it were you know, as a patient transporter. I was working with people uh, in the clinical realm, so delivering patients to nurses and physicians. in in healthcare, there's a bit of a hierarchy. So um, uh, you know I always knew that uh, working hard was gonna advance my career. and I, I I did that where a lot of our our transporters, I'm not going to name the hospital, but you know they they were just trying to get by. and I, I wasn't. I was always trying to improve. And at the you know for transporters, we were measured on. Our, our run rate you know so we had to average 17 minutes per patient run um as an average and i was always trying to um, beat that so i was we always consistently in the 14 to 15 minute range but you know that hard work was noticed by my bosses and eventually they made me a team lead within the transport department and that um allowed me to uh, add something on my resume show future employers that i was committed to to growing and advancing my career and I really compliment it was a nice compliment as i um I worked on my my degree, so work That's hard, and I'd help solve the problems. And I was afforded the opportunity to sit in on um, uh, projects where we tried to reduce the overall uh, run rate that we had um, for for all of our uh, runners, our transporters, and our patients. So, uh, you know, I, again, not full on administrative responsibility, but exposure to that world. Um, again, which was a nice compliment as a, as I was learning uh, the, the field of health administration in school. I would say the first uh, position that I held that was administrative was um, after I graduated, there was a period of about three or four months where I was looking for an employment. And oddly enough, the University of Detroit Mercy also had a small clinic on the east side of Detroit called the Macaulay Health Center. So uh, I applied for that position and, and was given the position, and that was, actually like a part-time position. It was uh, three and a half days as a clinic manager, really just focused on operations, nothing really finance related, um, really just staff management.
0: Great. So can you talk to me a little bit about your experience when it did come to management and having that financial aspect as well as part of your role? Um, I'm just really curious to the listeners out there who are starting off in their careers, what they can learn from you as you reflect on your experience when you first stepped into that role?
1: So I think understanding what you don't know is, is a critical component. So as I mentioned, I was in this position uh, as a clinic manager focused on operations three and a half days a week, but we still had a finance manager. So I did work closely with them. So I was exposed to that world, but I didn't really have um, uh, direct oversight. This particular individual was uh, planning on retiring in, in in the coming years. so he really kind of groomed me and mentored me and, and helped me understand uh, the, the flow of the clinic and again this clinic was ultra small so um, you know everybody kind of knew everything um, but he really helped me and, and it paid off because a couple of years in he did retire and then they promoted me um, uh, to a director level and I took over financial oversight of the clinic and it was you know full-time five days a week so uh, I would say just understand what you what you don't know, and if you're not over a certain area, look to learn that area and and see how you can grow in it.
0: And I notice, you know, when I look at your pathway and from what the experiences that you've shared, you've transitioned to a number of different roles and organizations over the course of your career. How did you know that it was time to pursue a different opportunity or shift from maybe the path that you had been on?
1: Well, I do uh, self-analysis of my career every year. It's usually around performance evaluation time just because I'm (laughs) meeting with everyone, so it's on the top of my mind. But I just kind of self-reflect on the previous year and see if I'm at where I want to be at. Uh, The key question that I ask myself is, am I still being challenged on a day-to-day basis in this position? And I've been afforded the opportunity that when I start a new position, it seems like roughly two years in, like, right when I'm starting to think, okay, am I challenged? I get a promotion. So the, the, the University of Detroit Mercy, I just shared with you, a couple of years in, I was working as a clinic manager, kind of perfecting that. And then the finance manager retires and I take on another aspect that's going to challenge me. And so I was with the University of Detroit Mercy for about three and a half years. And then I ended up with uh, U of M Health. And uh, you know about two years in, uh, again, completely different, Different animal. I I joke, but it's not qu- totally completely off the ball that what we did in annual revenue at uh, the short mercy is what we spent in office supplies for my clinic here. So it's it's a joke, but it's it's a much bigger bigger uh, clinic. Uh, but roughly two years in, um, I was promoted to uh, overseeing multiple clinics, and um, my second clinic uh, has kind of changed over that time. I was over the wound clinic, but uh, now I'm over a, a surgical specialties clinic, but it just seems like, you know, roughly two years in, I get added, uh, I give, I have the opportunity to take on something new, which is uh, a, a new challenge. Um, so again, it's, it's the question I ask myself is, am I still challenged? Am I learning something new on a consistent basis? And if I am, um, I'm, you know, generally focusing in on that. And if not, then I'm starting to think, okay, maybe it's time to leave.
0: Now were those opportunities that came to you or did you find that during that during that time before you got promoted you had made it clear to your supervisor your boss that growing in your career was something that was important to you
1: so I would say they came to me um, you know I was approached I was in the right place at the right time i I guess I would say um, but I, in both opportunities I was approached and My boss is, so one of the things I've been afforded is is great mentors. My current boss, so my bosses at Michigan Medicine has changed over the last couple of years, but um, they're both on the same page and they both are great mentors to me. So I've been afforded the opportunity uh, to have great bosses. And I never had to say, I'm looking for this opportunity. They always knew I was willing to grow. So when the opportunity came up, they came to me and they presented it to me. So I was in the right place at the right time. But they they and I'll say this uh, to them. I think they hired me for my potential. So I talk about the um, uh, you know the the disparity between the, the the revenue and the office supplies joke. But they'll never admit this. But I'll say I was grossly underqualified for this position just because of the size of the, the institution. But um, you know they saw my potential and I believe they hired me for my potential and and you know. Being promoted within a couple of years doesn't happen if you don't have potential or they don't see something so
0: great and so you currently are the administrative manager intermediate at michigan medicine Mm -hmm. so i'm really curious to hear from you can you give us some insight into what your day-to-day looks like and what you enjoy most about your role
1: so in michigan medicine um, we work in a triad model so at every level of the institution there's a triad there's an administrative manager which is my role there's a nursing supervisor, and then there's a medical director. So, and this is different each each say, ACU. So my medical director at one clinic is not the same as at another clinic. Um, so, uh, there's pros and cons to that as, as you know, you can imagine, but uh, I oversee front office staff, back office staff. Uh, I oversee the medical assistants, and then I partner closely with our, our, my, the other parts of my triad. So a good part of what I do is staff management. Uh, overseeing the operations, making sure that um, in we were in urology is one of the, my, my main ACUs. We're very procedure heavy, so making sure that we have the right equipment, the right supplies, the right staff um, to be able to carry out these to be, to be able to support the providers so that we can care for our patients in 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 a safe and, and high quality way, way. So operations focus is a big part of what I do. Um, we do have a, a finance manager, a financial analyst that I partner with, but financial responsibility, making sure that our Clinics are um, net positive is a target across the board, making sure that we're not losing money, uh, which is easier said than done in some cases. Um, And then the other part of it is the quality focus and the compliance focus. So making sure that we are joint commission compliant in everything we do all the time, making sure that we are um, delivering on that quality piece and offering that first time um, patient satisfaction experience um, is really kind of the big, Big ticket items I I handle on a day to day basis. What I enjoy the most about it is that I'm challenged every day. Every day I learn something new. Every day um, I face a new challenge, a new opportunity to learn and grow. Uh, so it's it's never a dull moment.
0: Definitely, I feel like that's a wide number of responsibilities that you juggle, and so I'm sure that each day varies. And there's never a shortage of responsibilities or tasks that can kind of come up in the day to day.
1: Never enough hours in a day. So
0: yes. (laughs) So a lot of times I think we talk about our achievements and successes, but I do think along with that is an unseen side that a lot of people don't have insight to, which is times where things don't always go as planned or we make mistakes. And so I would really love it if you could share an example of a project or a day that has not gone as you had planned it to and what you've learned from those experiences in your career.
1: You know, there was a period of time, uh, mid to late March of 2020, up until the end of that year, early part of 2021, where we really, you know, I mean, kudos to our institution. We came together at lightning speed and implemented changes at all levels. So one of the things, you know, that we had done, we always, always done huddles at the local level, but we had to cascade information down Uh, in lightning speed. So we implemented a a four-tier huddle system. And it was kind of, you know, a learning experience where, you know, me myself, I was on two different levels of huddles trying to cascade information down. But that allowed us to, because again, during this time period, we really, the virus was foreign to us. We didn't know how to care for it. There was a lot of unknowns. I mean, we were coming in every day not really knowing what was going to happen, how many people were going to be hospitalized, how are we going to see for patients, what patients are we going to cancel. There was just a lot of unknowns. so every single day we came in and we really did not know what was going to happen that day. But this four-tiered hollow system allowed us to take you know from the chief operating officer on down and we could just cascade information down. The questions that our frontline staff had we could escalate up and, and we did this every single day and we still do it to this day that's one of the i think uh, layovers from from covid is that you know we have the ability to cascade information down on a daily basis to the highest levels and then to the frontline workers so but during that period of time um, was was i mean every single day was just an unknown um so you know outside of covid um, I, i'm personally I'm, I'm a structured person so i want to know like what am i doing each half hour each hour and part of that is building in the flexibility to say, OK, if something happens that is not on my list, how do I deviate from my list and be able to put out this fire or address this issue? And then part of that is just a I'm having to work on the ability to realize I can't get everything done in a given day. So if there's something on my list that did not get done, it's OK. I can do this tomorrow or I can pick it up tomorrow. So uh, it's a, still a learning experience for me, but it's really trying to strategically build in time to put out those fires, if they arise.
0: So as someone who is always looking for productivity tips or key takeaways, can you share a little bit about how you plan? Like, do you plan the week ahead of time? Do you plan the morning of? What does that planning structure look like for you?
1: It's on, it's on a day-by-day basis and I'm old school, so I, I have a piece of paper I can carry around with me, but it looks like this. And I, I write down and I usually do it the night before or the morning of, and I usually wake up between four and five in the morning. So it's okay, what am I doing from five to six? What am I doing from six to seven? And every hour is um, outlined. So I start with what are the meetings that I have for that day, things I cannot move. Um, and then I build in other projects that I might be working on or, or to-dos. So on my outlook calendar if I told someone I'd get something back by x day and I make sure that's on the calendar. So I write that down on on my sheet of paper that I have to do um, uh, on that day. And I just I actually plan it out up until like I go to bed, you know, so what am I eating dinner? What am I devoting time to getting the kids in bed? What am I, you know, so, so I know what, what I'm doing. And, and again, I have to work on being more flexible. And part of that is building into that, you know, okay, this is, you know, I think this task is going to take me 15 minutes. I'm going to build in 30 minutes, uh, and if something comes up, I have time to get everything done. And you know, realizing that if I don't get everything done, it's okay.
0: Those are really good tips. I'm going to have to take a couple from you, and you'll you'll have to tell me more about this 4 a.m. <laughs> wake up time at some point. So I, I do five o'clock, but even that okay. I feel like is is uh, you know four four would be stretching it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm curious you know, if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing that you wish you had known before pursuing this pathway, what would that be?
1: Be more confident. So, um, you know, and I, I say that kind of cautiously because my lack of confidence has, you know, inspired me to do things and create things that um, I might not have done had I didn't lack that confidence. So, um you know, when I go back to, to my Days in grad school, um, uh, everyone told me to network. Okay, for example, but nobody told me what it looked like or how it felt like. Um, and they, they, my ins- my university was pushing ACHE, the American College of Healthcare Executives, and our local chapter, which is in Cache, it covers the Southeast Michigan and, and Northwest Ohio area. Um, you know, they said go to the event, network. You know, but I was very little experience, none in the administrative world, and I lacked confidence. So I I would painstakingly agonize over, what am I going to say? What am I going to wear? And mind you, I only had one suit and one tie, but I'm like, is this the right color tie? Like, it's just things that I, I, you know, spent too much time focusing on because I lacked confidence. And, you know, I I went to my first event and it was from like, it was an evening event from five o'clock to eight o'clock. And I got there right at five. And I'm like, okay, that's what you do. You starts at five, why didn't I get there at five? And You know, my worst fear happened when I walked in and realized no people are working. They don't get there till about 530. So it's me and two other people. They both know each other. So I'm standing around awkwardly. And, you know, so I just sort of fuddled around and I like the confidence to say, okay, even if I'm getting there at five, so what? There's only two people there. No big deal. But I just, you know, I, I got really nervous and it was just a really awkward event for me. No one else, mind you. But, you know, when I look back on, you know, As I just forced myself to go to these networking events, I got involved with a local chapter. I ended up joining a committee, the membership committee, and they were looking for ways to engage their new members. So I said, well, what what, what could I do? What would I have wanted at that time? And I would have wanted just somebody to like prep me, tell me what to expect for these events, or walk into an event with me, or you know, anything just to kind of ease that, that anxiety that I had when I first went to the event. So because of that, we created what's now called the ambassador program when we started it was the buddy program but ambassador program sounds cooler so um but it's just the way we connect uh existing members with new members so when a new member joins we take an ambassador generally of of, you know we have a handful of different health systems and hospitals in the southeast michigan region so if you belong to the same hospital we match with you you know and so there's new members they get this personal connection That's like. This is, you know, the ambassador reaches out and says, this is, you know, what this chapter means for me. What questions do you have? And so again, I, I, what I would say if I could go back is to have more confidence, but would I have missed the opportunity to lead, you know, and I lead the ambassador program uh, to this day, would I have missed that opportunity had I not had that, that lack of confidence or that experience, you know, and I don't know. So I say that cautiously, but be more confident. And I also said, nobody is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you so while i'm worried about my my tie nobody cares you know while i may make a mistake and or i may fumble over my words that person's never going to remember me you know so you know it's, it's just be more confident
0: that's such important advice and i feel like not a lot of people share that too often Partly because we do live in a society where we do see people's achievements or we see people who are successful, and we see people who just seem to have gone into like a role or a place with very minimal effort. And I think what people don't realize is that, um you know it took a lot of work to be able to get to where you are. And it did take a lot of overcoming those personal challenges, even within yourself um to be able to get that confidence. And whenever you're sharing your story, I always think back to this quote where it, it says, you know, you're in the best position to help the person you once were. So what is awesome about your experience is yes, you did over, you know, you did go through those challenges. But at the end of the day, you're currently in a position where you're helping the person that you used to be. And I'm sure that a lot of students um, or a lot of people just really gravitate towards that, because that's really something that we can all connect to.
1: So no, I 100% agree with you. I think part of that reason of like that, those glimpses of just what we see as success is partly social media. So you're looking at a snapshot of one thing. Another part is, you know, even when you're at a networking event, you're watching someone for maybe 30 or 60 minutes. And, you know, yeah, they seem polished, they seem like they have it all together. But like you said, it takes them a long time to, to get to that point. And one of the things that I always tell people is, don't discount your personal experiences. So if you follow me on social media or the things i do like 80 percent of what i say is just my own personal experiences so um you know when i landed at michigan medicine i was looking for positions from like you know chicago to to pittsburgh and everywhere in between and when i got to the michigan medicine interview i was confident i had my answers perfected and I, i was able to just display that confidence but what you don't see is all those failed interviews before that where i had to learn from it so use your personal experience to share that with others. Because if you learn something, somebody else will.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I think this is a great segue for us to think a little bit or talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, which is actually how I stumbled across you. So just to give listeners a little bit of background, you know, I just remember when I was first thinking about starting a podcast, and when I looked to see what resources were available, one, there were very little, but two, I was so fascinated and inspired when I ran across yours. So I would really love it if you could share more about what inspired you to create your podcast, which is called So You Want to Be a Healthcare Executive. And yeah, just share a little bit about that story with us.
1: Yeah, so I, I you know, thanks for, for asking about that. So I uh, generally have a, a passion for the field of healthcare administration, and I want to share this field with others um and the podcast is one platform that i use it you know i, I do so but uh, i have multiple social media accounts where i'm you know answering questions and trying to spread awareness for the of healthcare administration uh, but the podcast really came about um again sort of by accident but i was uh, i like to run for whatever reason i like to run in the winter time so in michigan it's, it's pretty cold so i was out running in in december and I was listening to a YouTube video where they did this with Bill Gates and they were talking about his timeline of like when he was at Harvard and you know what he did when and that got me thinking of like okay this is could be interesting with with healthcare you know executives if we could like figure out how they got to where they're at and sort of tell their story using their resume as as a blueprint and that thought bled into this could work for a podcast and that kind of sparked the interest of, of me wanting to explore this opportunity. And generally speaking, this would have been a thought that would have been in my head and, and out. I never would have acted on it just because I would have, again, lacked the confidence to say, yeah, I can do this. I would have just said, oh, you know, I can't handle it. It's too I I can't, you know, I'm not going to do this. But um, I decided I'm going to make a concerted effort and research what it takes to run a podcast. And there's a lot of tutorials out there. There's a lot of, um, uh, Tips and how you can set a podcast, and you know it, it takes time, um, but it's not as hard or as techy as as people may uh, think think it to be. So, um, you know, so I just I, I you know again blessed by mentors. So I, I had a mentor um, who who kind of helped me land at Michigan Medicine and kind of coached me along the way. And I, I approached her and I said, look, I'm I'm interested in starting a podcast. I, I really have no idea what I'm gonna do, what it's gonna happen if when I hit record, but would you be interested in in piloting this with me and seeing what happened? And she was like, Yeah, of course. So we went to her office on a Sunday of all days and, and you know, we it recorded, hit recorded, and, record and it it worked. And it just, you know, as they say, the rest is history, but um it was just one one small action and that bled into the next action that uh got the podcast to be what it is today so.
0: And this was all inspired on a run in the cold Michigan weather.
1: (laughs) Precisely. precisely.
0: Who is your content geared towards?
1: So when I started off I I wanted to gear it towards anybody who is interested in the field of healthcare administration. I thought there'd be many, I mean there are many people that benefit from it, but most of our audience, my audience seems to be early careers and students. Looking the climb the corporate ladder, so people that are looking to get in the field of healthcare administration, they're in school and they just want to learn how other people did it, or people who are graduates but are early in their career and they want to learn and grow. And um, you know, there's benefit for mid-level managers who are looking to get to that next level. But uh, our audience, our episodes vary um, in terms of our guests. So I think for them, it just depends on who's the guest. They have to be kind of at a higher level. So that they can kind of learn from them but you know anybody who's interested in climbing the, the healthcare administration ladder um, can benefit from the from the episodes.
0: And how many interviews have you done to date so far?
1: I think 27 in total so we're relatively new and you know I, I know some people can get episodes out like once a week. I aim for once a month so uh, if I can do that while maintaining my my job uh, I'm happy.
0: As a fellow podcaster, I totally agree with you. <laughs> even I feel like I'm a little bit ambitious trying to do a biweekly podcast, and so definitely finding that time can be challenging. Um, I would uh, love to hear a little bit more about who are the healthcare leaders that you've interviewed. You know, can you give us some information on the roles that they hold or the type of organizations that they work in?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, as I mentioned, I've had about 27 guests on so far, and what I really try to do is highlight executives from all areas of healthcare administration. So um, I'll share with you four that are um, diverse and varied, just to kind of give you um, an idea. Um, one of the guests we had maybe five or six episodes ago was Sarah Crevins, who's the CEO of Sutter Health, which is a, a large nonprofit um, integrated health system in Northern California. Um, Brian Madison, who is an entrepreneur, he's a CEO and founder of the HCS group, which provides uh, radiology services, to hospitals and health systems, along with some staff management for for those services. Um, Denise Fair, who is the chief public health officer for the Detroit Public Health Department. And the fourth one is uh, Joshua Dobbs, who is a senior director of the Heart and Vascular Center at UC Health, which is the University of Colorado Health, so academic medical center. Um, and, and so, again, we're just, you know, healthcare is diverse. There's there's no one way to the top, and I just do my best to try and highlight the, the different areas uh, in the field of healthcare administration.
0: What in a fascinating panel of speakers that you've been able to get on your show and who are sharing insights and lessons with your, audi- with your audience. Um, I just think that that's just such a great opportunity that you've created and so based on these conversations, can you tell us what does it take to become a healthcare executive?
1: So when I look at all of the episodes in their totality, um, again, everyone has a diverse background and everyone else, uh, everyone has you know different paths to how they got to where they're at. But I, I would say there's seven qualities that I see that are common themes in each of those. And um, I can share with you three of them that I think are the most important um number one self-awareness so all of the executives were self-aware it's almost as if they did an internal SWOT analysis on themselves. So, so they knew what their strengths were they knew what their weaknesses were and their opportunities and their their threats um so and they were able to, to act upon that so they they doubled down on their strengths they surrounded themselves with people that complemented their weaknesses and they looked for opportunities um uh, to grow and development and so they they were Intensely self-aware. I would say that's number one. Uh, Number two, they were relationship focused. So if you listen to all of them, none of them did it on their own. They always had a mentor or a group of people that they were relying on to help them grow. And if, if you listen to them, they'll, you know, these are executives that oftentimes have been in the field for 30 or 40 years, and they'll talk about a mentor they had 30 or 40 years prior and how that person groomed them to get to where they're at, so they were really relationship focused, and that kind of goes two ways, you know. How did that other person help them? But how are they helping people moving forward? So um, they're heavily invested in 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 relationships. The third quality I would say is humility. Um, they they never bragged, and it's almost like their accomplishments spoke for themselves, so they didn't need to. But they were always humble. They remained uh, at a high level of humility, and they, they again. They shared their experience, but they never bragged at where they're at. And these were some of these executives were pretty high up there, pretty accomplished. Where um, they, in some ways, maybe had a right to write the brag, but they they never did. They always remained humble. So those were kind of those are the three top qualities that I think um, are across all healthcare executives. But you know, there's more.
0: So if the listeners wanna find out the remaining four, I will tell them and direct them to your podcast. So for those that want to learn more about you, what are some ways that our audience can connect with you and learn more about you in the podcast?
1: So the podcast, as you mentioned, is called So You Wanna Be a Healthcare Executive. Um, we're on all major podcasts and platforms. So wherever you you listen to your podcasts, um, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, we're on we're on all major platforms. So just look up So You Want to Be a Healthcare Executive, and you can find them. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, my name is Kenneth Rates. I am on multiple social media accounts LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, all username Kenneth Rates. So easy to find. Um, and then uh, you can check out my website, kennethrates.com. And that kind of uh, uh, gives a snapshot of, of what I'm doing with the podcast. So.
0: And for the listeners, we will definitely be linking the links to each of these different sources. So you can definitely connect with Kenneth and find out a little bit more about him and the content that he is creating. And on the same topic of lessons, reflecting on where you are at now, what have you learned as a result of starting your podcast that you didn't expect?
1: Kind of something I already said, but none of us do it alone. You know, there's always somebody that we, we rely on. And you know, we need to have great mentors and we also need to be a ment, you know, a mentor ourselves to the next generation of, of healthcare leaders. So um you know, being a lifelong learner is something that um I think all successful healthcare executives are. Um, but realizing that, you know, we're we're not in a solo industry, you know, we're we're not, and maybe for our entrepreneurs a little more, but generally speaking, I mean, everybody's had somebody that they've relied on or who's kind of showed them the way. Um, uh, so that's that's what I would say is the biggest lesson I've learned.
0: Definitely. And are there opportunities that have come to you in terms of, you know, since you started this podcast?
1: More than I would ever imagine. So I really just started it for my own personal reasons. I wanted to learn the stories of, of uh, other healthcare executives and I kind of set the, the, the low, the expectations are very low. And this was, was like a, a met, not met goal. So if I did it, I met it. If I didn't do it, I didn't meet it. You know, I had no um, uh, idea that, that anything would come up with it, but if it did, great. So yeah, I've had uh, speaking opportunities. People have asked me to speak on uh, the podcast and what I've learned from that. Um, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan was one recently I did. I was asked to, um, uh, uh, moderate a panel on diversity, equity, and inclusion through the uh, multi-state chapter in Texas. So I, I, I don't know how that got connected, but um, like the second largest uh, state that my podcast has downloaded in is Texas, so maybe there's some connection there. But yeah, as you people have, have uh, asked me to speak to their, their class at the University of Michigan, um, people have asked me to present on the insights I've learned and you know so yeah opportunities that I never thought would have been possible um are, are possible so
0: yeah I mean I, I love um seeing and hearing your story from when you first were thinking about starting in this field and where you are at now and I think that goes to show that you know you can be at the very beginning and lack that confidence and you know Are unsure of kind of where you're going next, and then just taking that, taking action, setting measures. You know, knowing yourself more. I mean, I think that you are definitely a testament of what that hard work can lead to. Um, So, as we're kind of closing our conversation for today, one, I've just had a fantastic time talking to you and hearing your story. What is the best piece of advice that you've received that you can share with our audience today?
1: This came from um, when I was in grad school. One of my professors said, "Don't." Underestimate the power of networking and. You know, at at the time I you know again, I didn't really know what it meant, but as I went through my career, if I were to reverse engineer everything that's happened. It all led because it all came about because I took action and started networking, so you know if I look at how I got my how I got into Michigan medicine it's because I had a mentor. Who spent a year with me coaching me and guiding me on the interview process so that I could have this opportunity. Now, how did I get that mentor? Well, it was through our Mcashew, our local ACA chapters mentor program. How did I get how did I get access to a C level executive that's going to mentor me to be part of this program? I became heavily involved in Mcashew. Why did I become heavily involved? Because I was eager to learn and grow and I was at networking events and people knew who I was. So the the uh, you know, I guess the point I'm trying to get at is. Don't underestimate the power of networking, but don't be delusional to think like it's a one-way street. You know, I had to put in time. I had to go to the events. I had to let the executives of our chapter know that I'm serious. And it's not like I need a job, give me a job, and then I'm done. They, I had to show my commitment. I had to be involved, and then those opportunities came came about. But again, when I reverse engineer um, my path, it's everything came about because I became hyper involved in what I was doing, and it all started with, started with you know networking.
0: That is great. Yeah, there's there's so many um, key takeaways and lessons and you're right, it does take a whole village behind each one of us to get us to where we are at now and all of that does start with you taking the first step and taking that initiative to put yourself out there and making sure that you don't miss those opportunities when they come.
1: 100% nobody's going to do it for you, so you have to take take that action, but if you if you take action uh, often enough and repeatedly good things will happen.
0: I couldn't think of a better way to end the podcast. Kenneth, it was so good to to meet you, to have you on the show and to share the lessons that you've learned. I know that our audience and our listeners are going to really be able to appreciate and apply the advice that you've shared with us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me on today. It was an honor to be a guest.
0: Thank you so much for being here and for listening to this episode. If this is your first time here, welcome. Please click on the subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review of the part you enjoyed the most. I look forward to meeting you all back here soon.